The Therapist Rising podcast, episode number 102. Welcome to The Therapist Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Haley Kelly, a clinical psychologist and founder and CEO of a thriving multi-six-figure business. But rewind a bit and you'd find me not too long ago as a burnt-out therapist with immense dreams, but lacking the know-how, the confidence and the tools to step beyond the confines of the therapy chair. Through numerous stumbles, failures, and invaluable lessons, my journey evolved, leading to the remarkable business that I run today, which touches more lives than I could have ever envisioned, granting my family and me the freedom to explore the world in providing support beyond my wildest dreams. I created the Therapist Rising podcast with a singular aim, to be your guiding light. Here, you'll discover straightforward, actionable strategies while being inspired by stories of fellow therapists who've stepped outside of the traditional clinical box and crafted their journeys, experiencing greater impact and abundance along the way. If you're a big dreaming therapist, or perhaps you're feeling the weight of burnout, yearning to transcend the traditional confines of one-to-one therapy, this podcast is your compass. Join me on this journey to craft a business that reaches and transforms more lives while creating a life of freedom that you crave. You've arrived at the perfect place. Let's dive in and get started. Hello and welcome back to the Therapist Rising podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Kelly. I've got a really awesome surprise for you today, which you probably know by now because you've clicked on the episode. However, if you did not notice... I am releasing the audio version of our workshop number one from the online blueprint workshop series, which is the incredible workshop series we are running just for therapists. It is currently on right now. And what you're about to hear is the audio version of today's workshop, workshop number one, which is all about how to repackage your clinical skills into a successful, impactful, profitable online program. We go really, really deep in this conversation. It is very workshoppy. There are some really big action points for you to actually work through. And I walk you through some steps some prompts to get you going, to get you out of your head, to get that online program out into the world. So I hope that you enjoy this. I do have an invitation for you because I know that some people would prefer to watch the video version of this, the recorded replay of this. If you would prefer to watch the video recording of this, the replay, that is currently available. So you could head over and watch it instead of listening to it on the podcast. If you head to therapistrising.com forward slash blueprint, you'll be able to register there and get immediate access to the video replay of this podcast episode, workshop number one. Uh, And at the same time, you'll also be registering for the blueprint for the workshop series. So you will then get access to the next two workshops that are happening next week. If you don't register, this is the only one that you will get. So I would absolutely encourage you because, oh my God, it was fire. It was absolutely incredible. And I know that I ran it. So you're probably like, yeah, right, Haley, blow smoke up your own bum. But I'm not kidding when I say it was an amazing experience, an amazing experience. We had thousands of therapists in there. There were 
people on Zoom. We had the Facebook group pumping with the live streaming into the group. It was absolutely incredible. So if you have not yet registered and you want to watch this replay instead of listen to it, you want to keep listening, totally fine. That's why I'm putting it here for you. But if you would like to watch the replay and if you would like to get access to the next two workshops in the series, then head to therapistrising.com forward slash blueprint to get yourself registered and access that replay straight away. But for now, I truly hope that you enjoy workshop number one from the online program Blueprint for Therapists. All right. Hello, everyone. As everyone starts streaming in to the Zoom link, the Zoom room, even clearly I'm thinking about links because that's what you do when you're doing this stuff is just put out fires with technology, it seems. So welcome everyone to workshop number one for the online blueprint the online program Blueprint. It is the training series just for therapists like you. We've got a whole bunch of people coming into Zoom. Hey, everyone in Zoom. I can also see everyone who is joining us live in the Facebook group. We have options galore, guys. So first and foremost, right at the top of the conversation, on behalf of the entire Therapist Rising team, I would like to apologize for the uh, links yesterday. Zoom has a wonderful way of having tantrums and blocking content. And we have no idea how, why, or when it's going to happen. And apparently some people yesterday, uh, their audio was being blocked. It didn't happen for everyone, but there was a small portion of people who were unable to hear despite uh, everything that they tried to rectify the situation. So what we have decided to do today, just in case... So if there are any issues over on Facebook and you cannot hear us or anything else happens, let's just say Zoom burns down, uh, Zuckerberg calls it quits, whatever happens over on Zoom, uh, over on Facebook, if you want to come and join us on Zoom, there is a link in the chat. You can come over and join us over here in the Zoom. I want to, again, apologize. And again, replays will be available. But First and foremost, how good was that music to start? I was uh, almost like, I just want to hear the end of this song. It's so fun. And everyone in the Facebook group was jamming along with it, apparently with dogs. That's great. What a beautiful way to start the day for us. So as per yesterday, let me know where you are tuning in from. I would love to know. Say hello to us in the Facebook chat and also in the Zoom chat. Now, of course, you're going to have to forgive me because now there are multiple things happening all at once. So I'm going to screw up words and I'm going to call Facebook Zoom and Zoom Facebook and all the things. Uh, so I would, I'm going to ask you for space and grace today as we navigate all things tech. Let me know where you are tuning in from and I'm going to navigate between the two chats. So we've got Mitch here from Sydney. Hey, Mitch, we've got Canada tuning in from sunny Brisbane, Melbourne, Brazil, Priscilla. Welcome. That's amazing. We've got Bristol, UK. Hey, Rebecca from the UK. It must be quite late in the evening. We appreciate you showing up live. We've got Brisbane again, Ohio. We've got Victoria. We've got Perth. 
We've got more Canada. Hey, Canada. We've got country, New South Wales, Dubbo, far north Queensland, Canberra. And in the Zoom room, we have got Louisiana all the way from the USA. Hello. Welcome, Queensland. We've got Wodonga. We've got Adelaide. We've got Noosa. We've got LA, one of my favorite places in the world, Dandenong. Perth, Canada, amazing. Look at everyone here. And again, we've got Shannon tuning in from across the ditch. Our, what is it, sister from another mister, whatever we call our our comrades over there in New Zealand. Uh, hey, hello to everyone joining. We've got Belfast. Hey, guys, look, at, again, I am completely blown away by just how global our community is. It surprises me time and time again. I can see Ramona in the Zoom room. Hey, Ramona. That's so nice to see you here. So let's do this. So what I would request, because we are on Zoom, we do need to just set some additional ground rules for the people who are joining us in the Zoom room live. Of course, uh, first and foremost, please make sure that you stay on mute the entire duration. Otherwise, we get that thing where it flicks between speakers and my team have to run through and try and find where the noise was and mute it. All of the chaos ensues. So what I would ask is please remain muted for the duration of today. Uh, and that would be absolutely amazing. We also have Team Therapist Rising here supporting you guys both in the Facebook group and on Zoom. Again, dividing their attention. I could not ask for an absolutely better team. So welcome. As I said, replays are available both inside the Facebook group at the completion, and we are also sending out a replay link in your email. So you will get an email, which I think if my memory serves me correct, the replay email is actually inside, or the replay link is actually inside a reminder email for the next training or for whatever is happening tomorrow. So if you miss it, it just go to the last one that you got from us, uh, and it's more than likely somewhere in there. But uh, Team Therapist Rising are also going to drop the replay link as well. So you have it available. And prizes. It would be amiss of me not to talk about prizes. We absolutely love people who are engaged and active in the chat. So I will be giving away random gift cards to people who are showing up fully, who are engaging, who are doing all the things that we would consider as being a team player and being fully present, fully active and fully contributing. And that goes for people both in the Zoom and also in Facebook. So we're watching both and we will be handing out those Amazon gift cards like they are confetti. Let me tell you, we also have a really fun tradition that we do here each year. And I'm not going to tell you much more about that other than to say that will happen in a little while. And I'm really, really excited about that. It's something that I look forward to and the rest of our community really look forward to that tradition too. So I'm really excited to give you guys a taste of that. And last but not least, uh, as all things go, we have had a uh, van pull up out the front and park out the front of our house today, which is literally right outside my office. Uh, and they are doing some plumbing work. So if there is any echoes of noise that come through, I will do my best to minimize noise distractions. But as life would happen, or has it, life would have it, has it happen? You know what I'm saying? As life would have it, 
this is what we're dealt with today. So we'll make it work and it will be marvelous nonetheless. Okay, so awesome. We've got an amazing chat happening over in the Facebook group. People are connecting uh, and over in the Zoom room, we've got people still flooding into the Zoom room. So if you're wanting to come and join us over here, let's do it. All right, so welcome officially to a very special workshop, what I would consider a very, very special workshop series, a very special workshop event that is called the Online Program Blueprint for Therapists. There are three major workshops across our series. And of course, we have some additional added live Q&As, some mindset calls. It's live, it's intense. And by the end of it, you are going to walk away with a complete blueprint, a complete roadmap for how today's innovative and forward-thinking therapists just like you are evolving beyond the therapy chair and more, impo more importantly, untying their time and their income from their one-to-one -one work with online programs. This is what I've been doing since 2011, which makes me feel very, very old, when I created my first online program, and it's now what I teach therapists just like you to do the same. And if you joined us yesterday in the welcome party, you would have heard me say that I feel really, really confident in saying that this is most likely the largest global workshop tailored specifically for therapists who want to diversify their income and their impact with scalable online programs. There is nothing else like it out there. Believe me, you're here in a moment. You can trust me in saying that because I've done a lot of things. I've been a lot of places and there is nothing like this. And that's why it exists. And our entire team is here supporting you today. And as you would know, each and every one of them are also therapists. We get it. We get the unique challenges, the nuances that therapists encounter daily, particularly in the realm of being innovative, stepping outside of tradition, creating diversity in our income streams, as we would do when we are creating an online program. We get the challenges of doing that. And I think what sets us apart from every other option that you have out there is that there is no one who is going to be able to do this. There's no one who is going to be able to have these conversations. What sets us apart is that every mentor on our team shares this background with you. We're not just influencers. We're not just marketers. We're seasoned therapists with very, very extensive experience in the field. And on top of that, each and every one of us are also walking the road with you and creating successful online programs ourselves. So this is not going to be surface level. This is not going to be generic advice. This is not going to be influencer type marketing, hell to the no. Instead, what I can promise you is that you are going to access a reservoir of wisdom and insight that is derived from individuals who have walked the path with you. We've confronted those intricacies, the very scary things, all of the stuff that we need to know, that we need to navigate, that we need to have in, and hold in mind. We've done that firsthand. And now we're going to support you to do the same. And interestingly, we had people in the chat yesterday confirming this exact same thing. So let me jump over to my screen share. 
and get to the right one. We had people in the chat yesterday during the welcome party saying things like, we, there is nothing out there like this. There's no other coaches that they've engaged with that have understood the nuances of being a therapist. Katrina said, I'm so excited for this. I've been immersed in the spammy marketing courses, the building community stuff. And what she has felt is this is already a complete breath of fresh air for her. And Sarah also confirmed that she has been signed up for many spammy marketing emails and groups. And this feels so different already. So I know that you guys can also feel this. This is, there is nothing. It is completely unique. It is completely innovative. And I know we're going to absolutely blow your socks off today. So I want to firstly start by sharing some really inspiring examples of members from our community, our students, and what they have been able to achieve while doing the work, while diversifying their income. People who are just like you, who decided to take action, to bring their dreams, their ideas, the notebooks of ideas. I know, I know I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, the one with all of the ideas written down. They are just like you and they've brought them to reality. To use what they've learned, their skills, their experience to create an online program that allows them to have a greater impact on their terms. So let me firstly share with you the amazing Tiff, Tiffany Rochester. She is a psychologist. She is in Team Therapist Rising as a mentor. She is on the Zoom and she's in the Facebook group supporting you guys, but she has walked the same path. So the beautiful, amazing, incredible, inspiring Tiff, these are her words that I'm going to reflect back to. This is not stuff that I've created. This is stuff that Tiff has shared with us about where she was before and where she is now. So before she took the steps through our community and through our incubator program, she was feeling burnt out, but she was really, really hopeful that she, that there was more for her. And at that point in time, when she stepped into our community, she had a product, but it actually wasn't doing very well. It wasn't getting the traction, the results that she really wanted, but she had absolutely no idea how to fix it. So there was this thing, it was happening, but it was feeling very, very underwhelming in terms of how it was performing and the results that it was getting. And as we've just mentioned, she's like you in the sense that she was full of ideas, but she was utterly paralyzed by indecision and the lack of know-how. How do I actually know the next step? How do I know what to focus my time on? That was Tiff before. Tiff after, and Tiff is in the chat. She'll be able to attest to these being her words. Tiff now runs Co-Parenting Companion as a small company and team taking on a really, really big, important topic of helping separated parents to co-parent and create a beautiful, harmonious family across two homes, which, again, gives me the goosebumps. Her mission is absolutely incredible. She has established herself as a key voice in this collaborative separation space and the co-parenting support space. Her husband, who believed so much in her mission, who believed so much in the potential of what uh, they could achieve and do and the difference they could make in the world, he left his job. He left his business. He left his job to come into the business full-time 
to build out their tech innovation arm. And there are some really amazing things down the pipeline that Cam, Tiff's husband, is working on currently in that tech section. Tiff's also being invited to speak and train others in resourcing separated parents. Her branding is utterly on point. And best of all, when it's on point, it means that she's attracting her dream clients and she's only working now with hell yes, ideal fit, completely aligned clients. She has a clear business plan and she's articulating very, very clearly her revenue goals and her impact goals, which she's working on and towards every single day. And direct quotes, she's living her best freaking life ever. And she can't believe this is the work that she does now. She's amazing. I know. I, like I had goosebumps the entire time I was reading that. I love you, Tim. Uh, she's just, she's amazing. She's an absolute rock star. She has achieved incredible things. Then we also have our amazing Poe. Poe is also a psychologist. You will hear a little bit more from Poe later, but Poe's before story. And again, this is directly from Poe's mouth. This is the information that she has shared directly with us. So before creating her online program, before taking the steps to diversify and being part of our community, she was juggling work, family, volunteering, all of the things. She was feeling rushed, irritable, exhausted, being very drained by everything that was pulling her in multiple different directions, including her practice. And she was holding back ideas and reflections because she was terrified of speaking up, of having a voice, of sharing the things that she believed and sharing her mission. And she was overworked. So driven as I, I'm going to get you guys in the chat to give me an amen if this resonates at all. If I could be typing right now, I'd be like, amen, amen, amen. I was overworked, driven by a sense of inadequacy, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. Give me an amen if that sounds anything like some of the stuff you might struggle with right now. So Poe was tired and she said, I don't want to, I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I was burnt out. And so what Poe has achieved her after is that Poe has transformed into an empowered spiritual psychologist. She has overcome her imposter syndrome that kept her completely and utterly stuck in fear and paralysis. She successfully launched her Blossom beta program, her group program for burnt out Asian women. And you should have seen some of the killer feedback and testimonials she was getting. Oh my gosh. When she was sharing these with our community, we were just smiling ear to ear because receiving these really positive testimonials and this really positive feedback from her participants in Blossom, it gave Post such a sense of confidence. And now true to form, because she she recognized that she was still holding back, Poe is now stepping into and confidently stepping into work with therapists and particularly helping them to step into their spirituality and their spiritual nature. And I love that for Poe so much. Some of the other things that Poe has ticked off her list, she has increased her social media following by hundreds and on top of that, she's now consistently showing up 
So for a person who was terrified of being visible, of using her voice, of being seen, she's showing up consistently. And if you don't follow Poe on social media or Tiff, I would definitely urge you to do that because she's showing up. It is the messy middle. Is it perfect? No. And Poe doesn't expect it to be perfect. She's just challenging herself to take the steps. She's also deepened her connection with her personal purpose and her life mission, what she would call Dharma. And she's implemented self-care strategies, reduced her workload, hello, and transitioning to solo practice. And one of the things I love most, she's hired a VA to take some of her to-do list off her plate. And I can see people in the chat are like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. People are saying, I really feel this. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident either. And Brit is saying, that's me, but I'm making myself show up. And Jazz says, that's so inspiring. I completely and utterly agree. It is so inspiring. But you might be looking at some of these stories from our graduates and you might go through a few different thought processes. On the one hand, you might think, how inspiring. Oh my gosh. I can't believe what is possible for me. If they can do it, I can do it. And it may really push you along in terms of giving you the North star, that little bit of fruit dangling in the distance, which you go, oh my gosh, now that I can see it, I can believe it. On the other hand, you might be thinking, holy crap. (laughs) You might be pooping your pants. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, that's great, but that's not going to happen for me. And then insert a litany of reasons and excuses why that's not going to happen. I'm too busy. I'm not tech savvy. I don't have the skills. I don't have an Instagram account. I hate social media. I don't have the patience or whatever to make it happen. I don't want to get in trouble. And I get that. And if you have any of those narrative stories happening for you, let us know in the chat. Is that anything that resembles what happens in your head? You're just doing a little tiny poop in your pants and you're thinking, yeah, great, but I don't think that's going to happen for me. It's all well and good for Tiff and Poe, but I'm not them. They are not me. Not going to happen. Let us know in the chat. So Christina is saying, I don't have enough time. All the things you've listed. Yes. So people are getting it. And I get that. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to stay with me. Because as I said before, every single person on this team, including me, as a however many years, what is it, 14 now years I've been a registered psych, believe me when I say we have all been exactly where you are. And if we've done it, you can do it too. So let's talk about some of the biggest mistakes that I see when therapists step into our community. And this is to, I think, identify potentially what might get in the way and make things a little bit difficult. So the mistake that lots of the busy, overstretched, overcommitted, struggling, time poor, burnt out therapists who usually attend these events, they come with an already filled up cup an already full cup, and they already come believing things about themselves to be true 
in a really fixed, unchangeable way, as in, I don't have the time. And while that may be true in some senses of the word, if that is an immovable belief for you, just like we would help our clients to make space, but if you can't make space from these things, if that cup is already full, then you've already lost. Right? So I want you to instead come to a training like this and I want you to show up. And I want you to just allow this idea, even if it doesn't land here, that's totally okay. It's totally okay if it doesn't land here. But I want you to let it land maybe just over there at a safe distance. Like you can see it. I can see that possibility. It's just there. It's not here yet, but it's just there. I can see it. And I want you to see that as being possible for you because here's what I know to be true. And I know that I'm going to be speaking directly to you. Yes, you, when I say this. So many of us have been sitting on the sidelines for far too long. One of my favorite quotes, I'm going off script and I'm so sorry, but one of my favorite quotes, and I'm not going to say it word for word now because I will utterly butcher it, is by Brene Brown about being in the arena, right? We've been sitting on the sidelines for far too long, convincing ourselves, yourself, that you're not ready. You're not up for it. You're stuck in analysis paralysis terrified to get it wrong, terrified of getting in trouble from your board, whoever it might be, or you're stuck in idea overwhelm. I would ask you to be open. I would ask you to be coachable. I would ask you to be ready to receive exactly what you need to hear today. And if that doesn't fit, if what you hear doesn't fit by the end of this training, then leave it at the door. No harm, no foul. You are no worse off apart from me ranting at you for a couple of hours, you're no worse off than where you were 29 minutes ago. I challenge you to look at something from a different perspective. There is a beautiful quote by Albert Einstein, and it's one of my favorites. And my husband is in the, my husband is in Zoom at the moment, and we have this running joke. I'm off script again. I'm so sorry. Uh, we have this running joke. I say things like, I love this song. It's one of my favorites. And my top 10 songs is literally like 700 songs long. Uh, I also have the same thing for quotes because I'm like, this is one of my favorite quotes. And if you looked at my top 10 quotes, it would be, you know, millions and millions of quotes sitting in there. But Albert Einstein, one of my favorite quotes, he said, you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created it. You can't come into a training like this as your same old self and expect a different outcome. You can't come into a training like this and have all of those beliefs, all of those stories, everything, the patterns, everything that you have brought in with you, you can't hold onto them for dear life and expecting to get something new, expecting something to change because it won't. And guys, I'm preaching to the choir because I know, although we don't follow the advice ourselves very well sometimes this is what we do with clients right this is what we do day in and day out I know you know this you cannot solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created it what got you here is not going to get you to that next step so I want to tell you a little bit about how I got here and I'm hoping that you find something that resonates in my story too 
this is the story about how Therapist Rising came to be. And thank you, someone is someone's like the man in the arena is a Theodore Roosevelt quote. <laughs> Brene reimagined it. Respect. Sorry, Theo. Absolute utter respect. Uh, and thank you for saying that, Erin. I appreciate that immensely. The this is how Therapist Rising came to be and why I so deeply connect with my mission and the people that I'm here to serve, which is you. And I want to tell you a little bit about my story. And I know that's really important to share, even though I feel, at one point felt deeply uncomfortable sharing this stuff because of all the things that probably you hold true about you in terms of like, I couldn't possibly say that. That's too terrifying. I can't reveal that about myself. I'll be judged. Someone will report me to the board or whatever it might be. I was there too. But here's what I know to be true. It's important to share my story because the chances are that if you've ever experienced burnout, if you've ever experienced a feeling of being caged in by the system, of having a dream that feels like it is gnawing away at your soul, an idea that you just can't get out of your head but you can't seem to solve the problem of, if you're feeling as though you can't truly show up in the way that you want in your work, in your life, that your creativity and your passions might be stifled. Or maybe you're feeling like you're spending all of your time with your clients or trying to catch up with caseloads or case notes that seem to breed the minute you turn your damn back. Has anyone ever experienced that? You're like, why does it just never stop? And just when you think you get on top of those case notes, bam, another day of clinic and they are right back up at the same height. What the hell? Have you experienced any of those feelings? Even if that's right now, then chances are you're going to relate to my story. So as a child, this is me vibrant age of, I think I was about 11 at this point in time. But as a child, I had dreams of being an entrepreneur. I didn't know. I didn't even know what that word was. I didn't really understand what the term meant. But now that I look back, I recognize that I had dreams from a really, really young age to be an entrepreneur, to do things my way. I've always been very, very entrepreneurially minded. And you've probably heard about my story if you listen to the podcast or you follow along. But as a child, I would literally sit and write about social problems that I was seeing around me. So my dad used to get the newspaper on Sundays delivered to the house, or sometimes we would take a trip up on a Sunday morning to get the newspaper. We'd also get like a little treat or something special. But he'd bring the newspaper home and as soon as he was finished reading it, which was usually after a very, very long stint in the toilet, sorry, Dad, too much information, as soon as he was finished with that newspaper, I grabbed it. And what I would do is I would literally sit and go through all of the pages in the newspaper and I would cut out stories about social problems and things that were happening in the world. And I would sit and I would write about these things write about the problems, the speeding, the car crashes, the extinctions. And they would affect me so deeply on such a soul level that I would sit there and write in my journal about all of the ways that I was going to solve those problems that I was seeing. 
So if I could find these scrapbooks now, we've moved too many times for me to actually find them and these journals, I was literally coming up with ideas, products, solutions to solve problems. And I get it. I was a very weird child. It's totally fine. I was a little bit different. And I realize that now. (laughs) And at one point in my life, I was really ashamed of how different I was. But now that I realize that's the best part, right? And that's probably the part that has made fitting into the traditional model of therapy, the traditional get your butt in that chair day in and day out. That's probably what has made fitting into that traditional rigid system so hard for me. And I found the road really, really bumpy and I had a lot of struggles, a lot of hardship, and I blamed myself for that. I used to have this story, this narrative that the reason why I was sitting in the therapy chair and the reason why it was so hard for me and the reason why I found it so tiring and so overwhelming and the reason why I kept getting burnt out was because there was something wrong with me. And of course, hindsight being 2020, I now realize that wasn't the case at all. That there wasn't actually anything wrong with me. That in fact, there was something very, very wrong with the system that I was trying to squeeze and fit myself into. And perhaps that ownership that I was taking over my dysfunction, my overwhelm, the struggling, the suffering, maybe that was actually untrue. And I realize that now, but at the time I didn't. And I definitely had a narrative that it was me, that I was the square peg in the round hole and everyone else was doing so much better, easier, whatever it is. Why was I struggling so much? And I couldn't talk to anyone because I was terrified of being judged or reported or ostracized from my peers and colleagues. So let me take you back to my graduation in 2010. This was my graduation from my master's. See, I'm a little bit different, right? A little bit different. Still a little bit different even, you know, in my 20s. This was when I graduated from my master's in clinical psychology. And when I graduated, I was absolutely full of spirit. The entrepreneurial spirit in me combined with that deep, really deep passion for service and income. And I was ready to change the bloody world. So on that day, I was like, I'm going to change the world. Just watch me. Here I come. I'm walking out. I'm throwing my hat up. I'm doing all the good things. And at the same time, I'm thinking, holy moly, what an incredibly hard slog it was getting through masters. Like, my gosh. If you can get through masters, you can get through anything. That's what I used to say. And then I went into clinical one-on-one work and I was like, oh, shit. I think I was wrong. (laughs) That maybe wasn't the hardest thing in the world. And then I stupidly went back and did a PhD because, you know, I'm an absolute sucker and certification junkie like we've all come to terms with and owned in yesterday's welcome call. But at that point in time, I had massive, massive ambitions. I had a huge drive 
to create something big, something that would meaningfully impact the world in my own tiny, unique way. And I had visions of running retreats and opening up a wellness center and having a whole multidisciplinary team and all of these other incredible things. So in 2011, my entrepreneurial butt created my very first online program. This is really embarrassing. (laughs) I have never showed anyone this except Shay, our copywriter, because I squirm. I'm like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. And I've blurred out some of the dates and things like that, uh, the address, all of the rest of it, the enrollment period, like my phone number was on there, blurred all of that stuff out. But I wanted to show you proof in the pudding. This was the marketing that I did for my very, very first program back in 2011 as a registered psychologist. It was called Calm Kids. And let me tell you, that program was fire. It was amazing. The content, the skills that I was teaching, the impact that I knew it was going to have on children. Once I learned these skills, this was totally before Canva. I couldn't actually open the file. <laughs> it's so old. I couldn't actually open the file. Uh, I think it was like in the other thing that's not PowerPoint. I can't even remember what that's called. Publisher maybe? Anyway. Anyway, uh, yes, it was definitely pre-obsession with Canva. Absolutely. Thank you, Danielle. Um, But it was amazing. 10 out of 10 amazing. Except the fact, well, despite the fact that I had supported myself through my uni degrees, working in sales and marketing, despite that fact, Calm Kids flopped. It tanked. And in some ways, that failure hit really, really hard. And it made me spiral pretty hard into, I'm not good enough. I'm not cut out for this. Clearly, I don't have it. All the things. And so I stepped back and I started to play safe. And I did what I was supposed to do. I did my 25, 30, 35 clients a week And I ended up amassing over 20,000 client contact hours across my working life. But here's the thing. As I look back through that time of going from a young child to a teenager and then becoming a therapist, I realized that at some point in that journey, life got hold of me and it shaped me and it led me to believe things about myself that weren't true. They led me to believe things about my capacity, about my ability to care for people and to support people and about my personality. They led me to believe that there was something wrong with me. And because of that, I dimmed my light and I boxed my ambitions. They still haunted my dreams, though. They never went away. Those ambitions could never have been snuffed out. So they haunted me but I never felt like I could actually do them, make room for them, make space, give the energy that I needed to give to them because I never felt like I was good enough. And I never felt as though I had enough knowledge or skills or certifications or education or whatever it was that I didn't actually have the time to go out and do those things. So I just did what everyone else did. I just did what everyone else is expected to do when they become a therapist. And we have such a clear map, right? Like as a profession, there is such a clear map that you follow. And we go through all of these years of training 
and educating and getting certified and getting, you know, licensed and all of these things. We'd spend so long doing that. And then once you jump those those hurdles of getting registered and licensed, all of a sudden you are registered, but within a couple of years for most people, most therapists, we hit our ceiling. Like that's as far as you can go. Unless you start to go sideways in the profession, you pretty much hit the limits, right? Like some of us will go into like a nine to five type of government job or some other type of job, which is more structured where we're an employee. Eventually we'll start to dabble in maybe our own private work. And then what? And that's where I got. But then I got pregnant. And in 2013, when I became pregnant with my first son, let me tell you something, between you and me, it was the biggest sense of relief because I was like, maternity leave gives me a legitimate excuse to have a break from my one-to-one work. And looking back at that, like the sheer relief that I felt, it should have been a very, very clear sign that something wasn't quite right, right? Like probably should have been a fairly good beacon indicator that "Mm, maybe something's not quite right here, Haley. And it honestly was, should have been an ideal time to reflect. But I was so looking forward to the break that I just ran. I smoke bombed. I was out of there. But the experience was not what I had anticipated. My entry into motherhood was incredibly challenging. Like I know so many of our community have had the same. I experienced a really traumatic birth as a neurodivergent individual, which again, putting things together in retrospect, so much easier. But that traumatic birth led to PTSD. But at the time it was manifesting as what seemed to be postnatal depression. And additionally, my son was a very high needs baby and he had a lot of medical concerns at the start of his life. And that made my transition to motherhood even more demanding. So that period for me felt like a baptism by fire. (laughs) Like, oh, you think you're going to escape? Well, here you go. Let's try this on for size. And although I was still feeling a lot of relief and gratitude to have a bit of distance from my one-to-one work, there was this nagging sense and knowing that I had to return, like i got to go back there. And so that departure, that smoke bomb, didn't actually fix anything. It was literally just an escape. And all of those underlying issues, they were still there. And when I look back at that struggling version of me who had nowhere else to turn, no map, no blueprint of how to do it any other way, I just want to hold her and I I really want to tell her that you'll be okay. And I want to say the same thing to you. If you're at a point in your career, in your practice, that you are feeling maybe there is more. Maybe things need to change then I'm going to tell you that it's going to be okay. 
because if I can do it, you can. And if our team and our students can do it, I have 100% confidence that you can too. I am a testament to what we can achieve if we allow ourselves to think outside of the box. But there was a moment for me in the deepest part of my, I call it my dark night of the soul because it really and truly was for me. But there was a moment for me during my dark night of the soul and seared right into my memory bank, sitting on the kitchen floor, crying, like in the middle of a full-blown panic attack, vomiting into a bowl. My son, little son at that time, standing there with his tiny little hand on my shoulder, asking if mommy was okay. And in that moment, I knew this is not working. I was due to go into clinic that morning. And I was sitting on the kitchen floor in a panic attack. And I truly believe that now that pain that I went through, although I definitely wouldn't have said it at the time, but that pain that I went through then, it was a blessing. And as Viktor Frankl wrote, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment that it finds meaning. And I know now that my suffering has been my greatest lesson because it's allowed me to put my life and my needs back into focus. It's allowed me to understand my bigger mission and now to stick with it without compromise. As they say, the breakdown comes before the breakthrough. And so I started to follow the breadcrumbs, which I love. I love following breadcrumbs. Those little bits of intuitive hits that you get. And I started to expand further and further into the online space, in particular, the personal development world. And entering those spaces and developing some really incredible networks and connections, I started to get exposed to these entrepreneurs, these business women in particular, who were doing the most amazing things in the world. They were literally like blowing my mind. They were opening my eyes up to what is possible and they were showing me that maybe there is something that I can be doing different here in the world, that I don't have to play by the rules that someone else has created for me, that I can get really creative with how I show up in the world. They showed me what's possible. And let me tell you right now, there are not there were not many therapists at that time, actually, if any, when I first stepped into that space. I was definitely a lone wolf in the back. There were no other therapists in that space. But as I started to get more and more involved, as I started to move more and more into that world, and I, as I started to think about more, how can I transfer my skills? One of the things that was consistently reflected back to me time and time again, when I was telling these incredible business owners, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I cannot go back. It's killing me. It is destroying me. But there is literally nothing else that I can do. And time and time again, they were saying back to me, what do you have that you can repackage? Don't walk away from this completely. Just figure out how to repackage and repurpose what you've already got and do it in a different way. 
And I was like, what do you know? Seriously, I'm a psychologist. You know nothing. Um, I didn't, but there was a part of me that was like, that's bullshit. But thank you. Like, lovely. It's a really nice thought, but that's clearly not going to happen. But there was this time and time again feedback of you've come too far to just go and pack shelves at a grocery store or flip burgers at Macca's. Figure out how to do something different with what you've got. Repackage what you have so that you can work in a way that truly inspires and nourishes you, that aligns with your values for service, for freedom, for family, and for travel, because those things for me are very, very high up on my values list. And that was when it hit me. It was that light bulb moment where everything made sense. All of those years, all of the roads that I traveled, all of the pain, all of the confusion, the not understanding, all of the things that I'd done that didn't really make sense at the time, all of those things suddenly made sense and the light bulb went off. Untying your time and your income from your one-to-one caseload with an online program is the key to being able to live a life by your design, to have more income, more freedom, and more impact. And I'm going to say that again because this if you take nothing else away from this workshop, I want it to be this. Untying your time and your income from your one-to-one caseload with an online program is the key to being able to live a life by your design. Diversifying your business and thinking outside of the box is the key to impacting more people without having to take on more one-to-one clients, to increasing your financial security so that you can show up differently in in the world from a place of safety, not having to live paycheck to paycheck, and to also harness your creativity and your passion, and most importantly, your dedication for service that I know that you hold so true to you. But as you might be aware, a lot of the support out there, the courses, the trainings, all the things out there for growing a scalable online program, they're not really suitable for us as registered, licensed therapists. And a lot of it, to be frank, and I know a lot of people will probably back me up in the chat here, a lot of that stuff is downright gross and really ethically questionable. So here we are. We are now at this juncture where we are seeing the unworkability of the traditional model of care, the traditional business model for therapists. It's broken. And we know that we need to innovate. We know that we need to move and evolve, but we are stuck in place because there isn't a map to follow. The very things that deplete us in our model are also the very things that make it very, very difficult for us to innovate and do things differently. So we get stuck. But that does not change the very real fact that we are at a critical juncture, a very, very critical point in history for for our profession, for our system. And one thing is here to stay that whether you like it or not, whether you choose to accept it or not, our field is on the precipice of massive evolution. And I know that you can feel that. Like I know, give me a hell yes in the comments. 
can you feel that somewhere in you, even if it's tiny of like, I got to do something different, time for a change. Like, let me know in the comments, can you feel that we are on the precipice as a community, as a profession, as a system of massive evolution? Give me a hell yes. Yes. We're saying hell yes. Hell yes. Preach, preach. Absolutely amazing. Because here's the thing, we are experiencing some of the highest rates of burnout that we have ever experienced. We have people exiting our field in droves, good people, people with impact and service-driven hearts. We have wait lists that are months long. We have a business model that is outdated and was actually never built to be equipped to deal with the current climate, the demand. It was never built to withstand global financial climates shifting and changing. It was never built or designed to deal with consumer behaviors shifting. And the quicker we can get to that point where we accept this as a fact, that our system was not set up or designed to help us thrive or to support our clients across the entire spectrum and well-being entire spectrum of well-being, the quicker we can understand that it is flawed for consumers and practitioners alike, the quicker we can start to still see real change in the system. Look at me, I'm getting all hot and bothered. I'm getting all flustered. Let me just compose myself. This is what I truly believe. And I know if you're here, you probably believe the same thing. Give me some hell yeses. We've got some hell yeses coming through. Fantastic. So when I look back, I realize that I didn't have any other way to think about my skills, my career. I sure didn't have a map. So I just spent the next few years making mistakes, going around in circles, spending lots and lots and lots and lots of money on courses and business coaching and everything else that I could get my hands on. And I created my own damn map. And now this map, this blueprint has become exactly how we run Therapist Rising today. It's the blueprint that has allowed us to reach thousands of therapists, to create over half a million dollars in revenue from online programs alone. It's the same blueprint that has given me the freedom to create the life that I want to live, to design it in a way that deeply reflects my values because, you know, living my best life, right? Hashtag. And I also tend to attract a certain type of therapist. That's probably why why you are here. The people in our community, in our incubator, we all have something in common. We recognize the unworkability of the old, outdated model of helping. We look at people like Brene Brown, Esther Perel, these people, these amazing therapists out there doing incredible things, these people that recognize the power of helping more people at a time. And the therapists in our community, they are doing it too. And again, here's the thing. If they can do it, so can you. So here's what I see when I look at the therapists who want to do more with their careers. 
they try to play a numbers game, right? They have all of these great ideas and do all the things, but in the model that we're given, in the model that we are bought into, we are trading dollars for dollars. And we're trying to keep up with ever-increasing referrals. And there are all of these great initiatives, right? Like I am loving sending so much love and energy to all of our colleagues who are supporting and pushing these big movements and changes that are happening in terms of like destigmatizing, destigmatizing mental health, making it more accessible for people to seek help, which is wonderful, amazing, because it's at a time where we need it most in the world. We need services to be accessible for those who need to seek support. But at the same time, there's been virtually no change in how we deliver interventions or meet the need. So we've got an increase in demand and the system just keeps doing the same thing. Very little innovation has actually happened in our industry. And again, I'll go back to a quote that I said earlier in this conversation today. No problem can be solved at the same level of consciousness that created it. We cannot rely on a system that was never designed for today's problems to fix the problem. That's the definition of insanity, right? And Henry Ford, amazing entrepreneur, some question marks about his uh, people skills. However, Henry Ford, amazing entrepreneur. He had a quote where he said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. We are still trying to change the industry at the same level of consciousness that we created it in. So no wonder we're so burnt out. Like no wonder because it's an outdated model. The only solution to this is to see more people. But with seeing more people comes more problems, not less, more paperwork, less time with our loved ones, less time doing things that are important to us. And so therapists are drowning and we tell them to add weight, to see more people, to get to the wait list, to discharge people earlier so you can get more people in the door. We add weight instead of, the, instead of teaching them how to swim. We need innovation in the field. We desperately need innovation so that we can impact people on a much larger scale. To stop trying to push what, what I would say, I'm going to swear, I'm sorry, to stop trying to push shit uphill. And how do we do that? We need to start moving into more scalable models, not to replace therapy, but to add to. And that's what we're going to do right now. Before we jump on to that next section, though, we have a slight detour and change of pace. As I hinted at right at the start of today's workshop, we have a tradition that we do every single year here. And it's a really, really special tradition to us. And it's the Incubator Transformation of the Year Case Study Contest. And this is where our students in our incubator program submit a video telling us their inspiring stories, all of the growth that they've had, and then everyone in our incubator community votes for their favorite. And the final top five are announced. And so here they are. Let me share screen again. I can find myself. There we go.
our five finalists for the 2024 Transformation of the Year are these incredible five women. And so how we're going to run this from this point over the next two workshops, so today and again on Tuesday, we're going to introduce you to each of them. So three today and the remaining two on Tuesday. And at the end of that, we're going to give you guys, the community here in the blueprint, one vote. And you're going to choose the most inspiring case study. And at the end of the trainings, we're going to crown our 2024 case study contest winner. And they're going to receive a prize worth $15,000. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to introduce the first of those three people now. So I want you to take a moment, just listen to what they've done and what they've done in an incredibly short amount of time. And because breadcrumbs, right, success leaves clues, success leaves some breadcrumbs, I want you to see if you can pull out any of the breadcrumbs that they're leaving behind as they share their stories, something that you might be able to pick up. So I would first like to welcome Adele up. Adele, are you here? Yeah, I'm here, Hayley. Hello, Adele. Hi, how are you going? I am really well. I'm very excited to hear from you. And you have four and a half minutes. I'm going to go on mute so we get no background uh, and we're okay. going to time you. Go no for it. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Adele. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've worked in solo private practice for the past seven years now. I work mainly with autistic people and ADHDers of all ages, and my approach is very much in the neurodiversity affirming camp. It wasn't always this way. Early in my career, applied behaviour analysis, social skills training and star charts were commonplace. But as my understanding of the neurotype model of autism and ADHD grew, there was a parallel process going on in my own life. I realised that my husband was neurodivergent and then I realised that my kids were neurodivergent. And lastly, as you've probably guessed, I realised that I'm neurodivergent as well. So my knowledge and passion around autism and ADHD needed an outlet beyond one-to-one -one clinical work. And so I created something that I previously had been unable to find, resources for therapists working under the neurodiversity affirming approach. So Spoon Thieves, Spoon Savers and lastly, ND Me were born as card decks and pretty soon I had a second business, which some of you may know as Neurodivergent Ally. The problem was that I was still in my clinic doing one-to-one -one work four days a week and the fifth day was spent doing admin for the clinic. I was like a hamster stuck on a wheel and I had no capacity to grow a Neurodivergent Ally. Now, therapists know a lot of stuff about a whole lot of stuff, but we often know sweet FA about marketing and business growth other than sitting in that therapy chair for more and more hours or employing staff and swapping one form of stress for another. So I signed up for the incubator, hoping I'd learn some marketing strategies. And I trust we all know the saying, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So Hayley Kelly took that fluffy sledgehammer of hers and she really drove that message home. I started stepping into the shoes of future me. I started making time, seeking opportunities and saying yes to things the old me would have said no to. 
how that is playing out for those of you who like me enjoy the detail is like this i have one email list now and 1000 followers on social media i have two podcast interviews three conferences where i exhibited my neurodivergent ally resources last year and four conferences planned for this year so if you are at one of those please come and say hello i ran a program for parents of neurodivergent kids and i created a social club for neurodivergent therapists i post reels on social media regularly and i'm learning that even negative feedback is fuel for a change maker in october i wrote a kids book about being both autistic and adhd and I did a little magic in Canva and I had it up on my website within a week. It's free and it's currently at about a thousand downloads. I've since found a beautiful illustrator and I'm self-publishing it in a hard copy this year. So I think it's safe to say that the incubator gave me so much more than just marketing know-how. Before my transformation, Neurodivergent Ally had to fit in around my clinic and now it's taking center stage. I've been able to combine my passion about neurodiversity which funnily enough is featured in one of these cards here about you know telling my passion and interest to the world um with having the greater autonomy which is also in spoon savers you know being able to choose what to do and how to do it um so yeah that's my transformation oh my i was like where's the where's the unmute button i'm just like <laughs> amazing thank you so very very much Adele I want you to jump back in the comments and look at all of the love that is getting absolutely thrown all I over certainly you. will do that thank, thank you, you thanks so Kat. much for sharing thanks Hayley all right so we're not stopping there you think you think that was good we got two more coming guys so hold on to your undies because we have got Poe coming up next Poe are you here Yes, I'm here. Hello, Poe. All right, you have four and a half minutes. Go for it. Okay. Hi, I'm Poe. I begin today by acknowledging the Wangjuk Noongar people, traditional custodians of the land on which I'm calling from, Bulu, Perth, WA, and pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Can you be both yearning for greater impact in this world and at the same time limited by systemic and language barriers? Hear me out as I talk about my journey. 12, 12 months ago, Tiffany invited me to a picnic discussing her experience in Incubator. I felt out of place and surrounded by people talking about what they wanted to do for online program. And being a migrant from uh, an Asian background with English as my third language, my words stumbled, I have nothing to contribute. I was silenced by my own self-doubt and burdened with self-limiting beliefs. I had countless ideas actually, but they com remained confined in my head. I never posted anything on socials. There are many excuses that held me back. Not me. I'm a parent of two kids. I have no time. If you have time, go and tick off that to-do list on the, um, on the caseload. No one understands your English and you're not good enough. This version of me lived in ongoing analysis, paralysis, threatened in action, I was overwhelmed and the grief of losing both my parents compounded my struggles. And overwork became my norm. I was depleted. Ironically, despite my passion for calmness and awareness, I embodied quite the opposite. Rushed, irritable and exhausted at home. I avoided speaking up. I stay silent in professional forums, 
I feel like a wallpaper flower, still and voiceless. But after joining Incubator, the transformation has been huge and it's ongoing. I discovered my voice. Layer by layer, I peel off my mask and revealing my true self and owning my voice. There are so many shifts. I started disrupting my old patterns. I participated in Facebook community actively. I got to meet my future self and discovered my internal resources. I shifted from working hard because of my inadequacy to working hard to share my abundance. I launched my beta program. It was daunting initially, but this process has boosted my confidence in group coaching. And now I even contemplate supporting burnout therapists, something that I never imagined possible. And now each step brings me closer to my mission and vision. And each step allows me to take space. This journey wasn't really about the program. It was a confrontation of my inner shadows. I shed many tears, tears of forgiveness, tears of compassion, integration, and letting go, and bidding farewell to my past self. Remember the song, Show Yourself from Frozen? I'm no longer trembling and hide, even though I am now. <laughs> Clear priorities and unwavering values now guide me. I've reduced workload, nurturing myself, the person that once felt depleted and unworthy. I show up regularly on social media. I transitioned into a solo practice and now I'm looking at building audience website ready to launch this year. I've chose to invest in myself and join the collective mastermind, seeing how much I've grown in the last 12 months. I said yes to running webinars about neurodiversity, act and spirituality in May. I hired a VA, building my team. I can see steps and plan to launch a podcast in future. I trust myself that led to transformational shifts in my mindset, confidence and skills. I shared many fear and grief and identity. This allowed my strength, creativity and playfulness to surface. And the support of these powerful women has nurtured my resilience, reshaped me completely in the past 12 months. I now rise because of the people I want to serve. And I'm literally blossoming into my true self. And with that, I wanted to share with you what prompted me to be here. Trust your gut, trust your intuition, take a leap of faith, go for greater impact. If not me, who? If not now, when? Hell yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Poe, that was incredible. Thank you so very, very much. I'm not sure if I've frozen or Poe has frozen, um, but if she froze, it's right on time because literally at the end of you were talking and you froze. Thank you to the tech gods. Uh, you're back now, but thank you so much, Poe. Amazing to hear from you. Thank you. All right. And now we've got our last uh, transformation of the year finalist up, which is Julia Reed. Come on down, Julia. Hello. Hello, my love. All right. You have got four and a half minutes on the clock. Let's do it. So hi, everyone. I'm Julia Reed, and I'm an EMDR trauma therapist and a newly identified coach. And I have a story to tell you that is about taking up space. But first, let me share why I started the incubator. I am an ideas person. I have tons of ideas on ways I could diversify my income and my practice. I thought about providing professional trainings, EMDR consultation, and even coaching. But when I thought about putting myself out there with my ideas, I got so nervous. 
and it blocked me. You see, before I started the incubator, I had this notion that space was limited, that there was only space for me and my little world, like right here to take up. And if I was to take up any of that space or to be seen at all, then that meant that I had to be very pleasing, that I had to be just right, just perfect. And if I was to show up and I wasn't those things, and that was a huge problem because if I was to put myself out there and to be seen, that meant I might be stepping out of my space a little bit and maybe getting into somebody else's space. And if I wasn't pleasing for that other person, then that was bad. And I might get judged harshly or I might be wasting their time and it wouldn't be good for that other person um, if I wasted their time. What I learned, though, is that I have a scarcity mindset about space, but space is actually abundant. There's tons of it. It's never ending. I learned that it's okay to take, take up as much space as I want and that it's not limited. It's not in this little box. If someone happens to get a little close to me and they hear what I have to say and they don't like it, it's okay because there's a lot of space and they can just go spread out and go somewhere else. And that it doesn't matter if I'm totally pleasing to everybody else. But I also learned that if I never get the courage to stand up and truly show the way that show up in the way that I know I need to show up and say the things that I know I really need to say for the world, the things that I am passionate about, then those people that need to hear my message will never hear my message and they will never get the help. So I learned that taking up space is okay and I can take up as much space as I want and I can be me and that's okay. So that has been my huge shift from the incubator program. This transformation has allowed me to show up and do videos where I'm a talking head. I would have never imagined that. Um, what I found out about what I found about allowing myself to take up the space that I need is that people actually like what I have to say. Go figure. And my vi videos are getting shared. My colleagues are referring to me, and my friends and family are also sharing my work. So if I had never decided to take the chance to take the leap and step out, then this would have never happened. It feels so amazing to be in this coaching space, finally showing up as my genuine self. Because you see, in the therapy world, although I love doing my therapy stuff, um, I have to have the therapist hat on. I can't really just show up completely me. But as a coach, I can show up as me. And because there's always been something that's been missing from my therapy space, but in the coaching space, I can, I can meet that missing spot. Now I'm not going to give up my therapy work because I really love it. But now I just get to take in the best of both worlds, my trauma therapy. And now as an EMDR coach, I will leave you today with my tagline for my new coaching business, which is called cherishing self. And that is be courageous, be gentle, but most of all, be you. Thank you. Oh, love that, Julia. Thank you so much. Like, I'm really struggling not to cry right now. And that's a thing. You're all going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry for each and every one of you finalists. My God, thank you so much for sharing your stories. I want each and every one of you to jump into the chats and look at the comments that are coming through 
you have inspired so many people just by taking up space and speaking about your journey. And I saw one comment fly by when Julia was speaking about a breadcrumb. So I think you are showing people what's possible for them too. And I absolutely love that. Thank you so much to you three incredible women. And as I said, we will hear from the remaining two finalists on our next workshop, which is on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, where we'll hear from the final two. And then after that, so after our final person has uh, given their transformation, done their live transformation, then we will open up the voting. So the, the voting will not open yet. Please don't ask for links. We don't have them yet. They're not ready yet. Uh, the voting will open once you have heard from everyone. So that will be on Tuesday after workshop number two. And then we will announce the finalist during our third workshop, which is next Thursday. Awesome. All right. So was that a, was that a great detour? Let me know in the chat, how are you loving this? As I get myself recomposed, how are you guys loving this? Are you enjoying your time? with us today. Let me know in the chat. How are you feeling? Tell me all the things I would love to know. And that is totally okay if you have to leave and watch replays. Replays are available. That's what they're here for. Wonderful. All right. Can they all be joint first, please? Oh, I wish they were. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish. That would be amazing. Awesome. So it sounds like everyone is loving what they're hearing, which makes me so very, very happy. All right. So let's do this. Let me get back to my screen share. I feel all completely out of sorts. Emma, I need to tap. Emma, I need to tap. Emma's my tapper. She does my, whenever I'm stressed, this is an incubator inside joke in our community, guys, is uh, whenever Haley's feeling stressed or dysregulated, uh, Emma, who's again, the chief energy officer comes on and she's like, like to tap through that, Haley, and I just sit there tapping. <laughs> so I'm just going to tap for a minute. <laughs> and what I love about that is that I can actually say that to hundreds of people who are currently watching, and you guys are like, "Oh, that's funny. It's an inside joke. I get that tapping. You're so funny. I love that we can have inside therapist jokes in these conversations." All right, so let's dive back in, and let me screen share. Because that officially moves us to the final run. We are on the home stretch. You guys are doing so amazingly well. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and keep these under two hours. I'm gonna try my very, very best. So I can imagine, hopefully, if I have done my job, hopefully by now, you can see that the online programs, online programs as an offer as an option, they are the key, the key to diversifying your practice and having more income, more freedom and more impact. So now that you know that, let's talk about some of the potential hurdles as you start to now repackage your clinical skills to find your perfect fit online program. And this is where we're going to get super, super practical. So if you don't yet have a pen or a remarkable or something to write on, now is the time, my friends, you need to go and grab that because we're going to get super, super practical. So let's talk about some of the hurdles. And I'm going to go there a little bit here. So I hope I don't, hope I don't offend or 
anyone or trigger anyone or anything like that. But anyway, we're going to deal with this. Let's do it. So first off, I'm going to address the huge elephant in the room. There is a remarkably low barrier to entry right now, as it currently stands, for creating digital products, digital programs, courses, online programs. The bar to entry has never been lower for us or anyone. And that is both a blessing and a curse because every Joe Blogs down the road is creating courses these days. Am I right? Am I right? I Shay sent me a very funny meme yesterday, uh, a, which was basically, you know, all the coaches out there making millions and we're sitting in our therapist's office defaulting on daycare fees as I was at one point in my life. So there is a really low bar, but everyone's creating courses and programs these days. There are people out there right now making millions of dollars, but they're selling shit courses, shit programs. Why are they why are they able to sell such crappy products? Here is why, because they are marketers, right? That's why they can put a bow around a pile of crap and sell it and make millions. Whereas therapists, on the other hand, because of your skills, because of your knowledge, because of your expertise, you have the potential to craft incredibly impactful transformative programs but they end up sitting on your bloody website collecting virtual dust. Why? Because you are a therapist, not a marketer. So on the one hand, it's fantastic, right? This low bar to entry means that you can bring your vision to life with more ease for cheaper than ever before. But on the other hand, we're now competing with crap. So we could have a really great product, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't actually sell it or get it to the people who need it to ensure that it reaches and resonates with the people who it's going to serve most. So that gap between creation and the connection to market, that's where almost every single therapist will falter. I can create the thing. I can't sell the thing. And let's not overlook the very real problem. We've heard it many times already on the call today. The very real problem that us therapists tend to face, which is analysis paralysis and idea overwhelm. It's so common to find ourselves completely and utterly bogged down in the quest for a perfect idea. And actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run a bit of a social experiment here. I'm going to go into the chat. And I want you to tell me, are you, number one, the therapist with lots and lots and lots of ideas? You're just not that great with follow through. So leave a one in the chat if that's you. Lots of ideas, not so great on follow through. Or camp number two, so put a number two in, if you're the therapist with not a single idea, like you have absolutely nothing, not even a shadow or a whiff, a puff of smoke of an idea. Let me know in the chat, which one are you, one or two? And I'm going to look on Zoom. I'm seeing lots of ones. I've seen a couple of twos, but lots and lots and lots of ones. So many ones. <laughs> and over on Facebook, 
we got the same. So we're seeing lots and lots and lots of ones and a couple of sprinklings of twos. Fantastic. So my social experience, someone said 1.5. That's That wasn't an option. Mel, that wasn't an option. You can't make up your own rules. <laughs> what a fence sitter. Come on. Come on. Um, that was exactly what I thought it was going to look like. The vast majority of therapists, it's not that they don't have any ideas. It's that they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed by choice. You have so many things that you could do. You have so many skills that you could be packaging into a program, but you're not doing it. And then there is the final problem that therapists don't actually know the steps to repackage their idea into a viable and profitable program. So they end up approaching it like this. Give me a yes in the comments. If this is relatable, maybe you've done this. No judgment. We are all friends here. But have you approached it in this way? Oh, I love teaching about mindfulness. I'm going to create a course about it. So I create my course on mindfulness and then it doesn't do very well. Or I love teaching about mindfulness. I'm going to create a course about it. Except now I also really, really love boundaries. So hold the phone. I'm going to go and create a course about that. Oh, actually, no, there's that other thing. So let me know, one, your yes, <laughs> is that you? You start in the wrong place. You start by creating the actual content without doing the steps necessary to ensure you've got a viable product to sell. And so then it doesn't sell, right? So I'm going to introduce you right now to our action point for today. And I'm going to introduce you to the Impact Matrix Framework. Now, the Impact Matrix Framework is my little therapist spin on Ikigai. And I know lots and lots of people in here have probably heard about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or basically finding your mission in life, right? Finding your purpose, finding your calling. And this is my little spin on that. And I'm going to hope that this really helps you to figure out how is it that I can create a really viable idea. And so at its core, the impact matrix asks you to consider four very, very critical dimensions when it comes to picking an idea and following through. And we assess that on these four dimensions of passion, expertise, market demand, and profitability. And each of these dimensions is a pillar that then supports the viability, the profitability of your online program idea. So the passion part of this fuels your commitment, your energy, your ability to follow through and maintain stamina. Your expertise ensures that you're not only delivering value, but you're also within scope of practice, which again is a very, very nuanced conversation for us. The third aspect of this is market demand. And that signifies whether or not you have a hungry audience that is ready and willing to buy. Is there even a need for this? And then profitability confirms if it is financially sustainable. So if that is the case, this is where we will get. 
that little spot in the middle where all of the Venn diagram and all the Venn diagram nerds in here will be like, I love Venn diagrams, woo, Venn diagrams. That little space in the middle. That's where your perfect online program sits. It's the convergence of these four critical dimensions. So for, yes, we're going to speak to that right now, Samantha. Samantha says, can you please speak to the market demand part? Yes, I can. We are doing that. And someone else says, I love a Venn diagram. Me too, honey. Me too. Any excuse to create a Venn diagram. I will create a framework, an entire framework, just so I can put it in a damn Venn diagram. They're amazing. Anyway, tangent, sorry. Uh, let's move on. So get out your pen, get out your paper. All right, because I'm going to literally walk you through a structure because here's the other thing that only a therapist one would understand. We have a love-hate relationship with steps and processes and frameworks and treatment plans and all the things, right? We're like, I need steps. Give me the steps. I need a process. I need very, very clear one to 10 steps that I can follow through. And as soon as you give them said 10 steps, they go, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I don't like this. Stop. It's too much pressure. But I'm going to support you through this. I'm going to absolutely support you through this. So for therapists venturing into the online space, the digital space, the impacts, the impact matrix is going to literally be that North Star. I always refer to this as the North Star because it is that thing that is guiding you. It is aligning the program idea with your professional strengths and responsibilities and also the market's needs. So it's this beautiful convergence of where your professional personal strengths and responsibilities lie, and it converges with good business sense. And so applying this framework, you're not just going to be like throwing spaghetti at the wall or darts in the dark, whatever analogy you want to use for when we just do things haphazardly. Instead, you're going to make a very informed decision based on this comprehensive evaluation about what you're passionate about, what you excel in, what you what your scope of practice is, what your potential clients even need from you, what they're willing to pay, and ultimately what is going to sustain your business from a profit and revenue perspective in the long run. So I want you to start with a complete blank canvas. And I'm going to rem remind you that you have the replay because I'm going to move through this fast for the sake of time. You have the replay. You can come back, let it digest, take a nap, have a meal, whatever you need to do, clear your space, tap. Emma will help you to tap, uh, do whatever you need, come back and watch the replay, right? So don't be, don't be scared or overwhelmed if things are moving fast. You can come back. So start with a blank canvas. Grab that pen, get a blank sheet or a blank digital page, whatever it is. <laughs> And I want you to start by writing down any and every idea for an online program that comes to mind. So no filters, no judgment, just pure brainstorming. And this is the moment where I really want you to dream, like go for gold, capture every single possibility in you, even if it's like, yeah, right, <laughs> as if. We don't play in the space of as if right now. We are just dreaming. And so things that I want you to start thinking about, particularly for the people who were number two camps of like, I don't even have an idea. 
remember right at this conversation, I said to you guys today, when you come in believing what you believe to be true, which is the exact thing that got you here, that's not going to help you moving forward. I want you to see if you can make some space, make some space around. I don't have an idea. This is not for me. This is too hard. I can't think of one. I want you to really make space. Let your mind wander. And so here are some prompts to help you get going. I want you to reflect on the problems that you're passionate about. They might be in your clinic already. So you might be actually dealing with them clinically already, or they might be in your external life. So you might be a social worker and you're really, really passionate about veganism, for example. It does not have to be clinically related. Think about those problems that you're very passionate about or the transformations that you want to help facilitate in people's lives. Okay, so think about what are some of the questions that your clients frequently ask you about or some of the common challenges that they face that you're often helping them with. And I want you to do it from the lens today of not necessarily specifically pointy end clinical stuff. Okay. So yes, you can sit down the end of trauma. That's totally fine. Absolutely fine. But for less complication, I'm going to just gently encourage you to, what are some of those things that you're helping them with that may not be specifically clinical, that don't have to be in therapy? Another aspect of this is considering any of the unique perspectives, methodologies, anything that you've developed in your practice. Maybe there's a certain way that you do things for a particular type of presentation, for example. Like you're like, oh, yeah, and when they come in here and then I do that, then I teach them this, and then we go through that, and then there's this part. So if you have a methodology, even if it's not 100% concrete, think about that. How could that be translated into an online program? So consider these things and write that list down. And again, remember, you can come back and watch the replay. Okay. So once you have that list in hand, now we are ready to move into the framework. Okay. Are we ready? Are we ready? Because this is not about reminding you how crappy you are or how many ideas you don't have. The point of this exercise is to really give you space to start thinking and exploring and dreaming and doing all the things to open up those doors of possibilities. Okay, so let's move to the next step. So once you've got that list, you're then going to move. People are like, yay, amazing. So then we move to the next step, which is passion. And this one, there's a reason why it comes first. And this is the reason. If you don't feel lit up for the thing that you're going to eventually create and do, it's going to burn itself out. The candle will just go out right? If you don't have passion, that is a thing that sustains you across time. And I'm going to give you a direct example for how this applies for me. There are days when being the CEO and founder of Therapist Rising is really, really hard. Like cry, snot, 
all the things. Hyperventilate type of cry. Want to hide under my covers cry. There are days where it's really, really hard. But there is not a single moment, despite it being hard, no matter how hard it gets, that I even contemplate giving up. Why? Because my passion and the fuel that is driving this is so clear that it doesn't matter. Like I know that it's a season, it's a moment, it will pass. And yeah, it's hard, but tomorrow will be amazing. And it's that passion that is going to be the thing that carries you through, not just the good moments, but more so the hard moments. How does it make you feel when you look at Grab one of the ideas that you've written down. But what I want you to do is to actually go through each and every one of these ideas. So grab one of those ideas and tune into how does it actually feel in your energy? How does the passion for it feel? How does it feel when you imagine yourself doing the work that you'll be doing to bring this idea to life? Do you feel excited? Do you feel energized? Is there passion? And on a scale of 1 to 10, rate your level of passion. So this is the step part of where we're actually going to put it into a structure or a framework. But on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to rate your passion for that idea. And again, after this, you can go through and you can really nut it down and go through every single idea. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of passion? And so you might think about things like reflect on why this idea excites you. Is it something that you can really see yourself working on with joy, enthusiasm for the long haul, for the, for the time that it takes to get it up and running? Consider what the impact of your passion is going to have on your potential students because that passion is contagious. It will translate into a incredibly vibrant learning experience for them. So rate the passion. Oh, we've got some tans in the chat. Fantastic. Amazing. That's fantastic. Love it. And we've got some light bulbs. Yay. Oh, how exciting. All right. So once you've got now one out of 10 for passion for that particular idea, and again, you can always come back for the others. We're going to move now on to expertise. So this is the very, very, very nuanced part of the conversation for us because passion is passion. doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or if you are working at uh, the local shelter for homeless people. It doesn't matter. Passion is passion. It, it knows no bounds. But the expertise part of this, this is really nuanced. And in the other types of programs that you might go into that are trying to teach you about this stuff, they'll say things like, what have you done in your life that you could now go and teach others? And, you know, all the things. I'm not going to cast judgment. I'm going to put that back in my mouth. But this is really nuanced. <laughs> so this is what makes your program not only effective, but it also has to be ethical and legally sound. Because expertise is not just about having knowledge. It's about having the right relevant knowledge and the authority to share it within your professional scope of practice. This is how we can start to mitigate some of the risk 
from our boards or our professional bodies or whatever it might be. So as you start to think about the content that you might want to teach, consider not only the confidence that you have, but also where are your boundaries in terms of professional qualifications, right? But I'm going to put a huge caveat on this, huge, huge caveat. What I know about therapists, we heard lots of people talking about it today. We've heard it lots in the chat. We never feel like we have enough. Like there is never enough certifications to circumvent imposter syndrome. There is never enough things on the wall that are going to help us to feel confident in ourselves, right? So I want to have this conversation balancing these two things. So I want you to come at this from a very logical, non-attached place, not one of feeling like you're not enough. Because if you don't feel like enough, if you've got the imposter syndrome up in your face, what I'm saying now is you're going to be like, oh, no, clearly I don't. I got. I need to go and get another certification in whatever it might be, equine therapy, or I was going to do ART training. Maybe I'll go and do it. I'm not saying that. And more than likely, you have everything you need right now to be within your scope of practice because I know you. You're a therapist. If anything, you're probably overly qualified to teach it, not under. Okay, so now that I've said that, it's out in the air, out in the open. Hopefully that lands somewhere. We consider the ethical and legal implications, right? So stay within the confines of your qualifications. Teach within your scope of practice. Think about things like safety. So if I'm going to teach this particular thing, is it safe to do so with the audience that I'm going to be selling it to? And again, the further away you can get from the pointy end of the clinical spectrum, so the further away you can get from diagnosable mental health conditions when you're creating your online program, the safer it's going to be for you and for them. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to evaluate how confident you are that what you want to teach, what might go into this online program, even if you don't know 100% yet what that is, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you have the knowledge to be able to teach this to other people who probably have far, 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 far less far, far, far less knowledge than you do. So on a scale of one to 10 and things that you might want to consider here again. So consider things like qualifications, certifications, licenses that you hold. Have you done any extra training and things that you can really say, yeah, you know, I can hold this against the light of day and really feel like I have authority to teach on this. Then also reflect on aligning your program content with the ethical guidelines and legal requirements of your profession because we've got therapists from all walks of life here that will be regulated by all different boards that will fall under many, many different things. So it's important that you evaluate it against your legal requirements for your profession. How does your expertise not only enhance the quality and credibility of your program but also ensures compliance with your standards so that you're mitigating risk of getting in trouble. And I can see lots of eights 
nines, tens, we've got a seven, nine. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. So once we've got that, we then move on to number three, which is market demand. We had a couple of questions. So I hope this uh, helps to define this for you. But the market demand is the first part of like the good business sense where we merge with good business sense, right? So we need to determine market viability. <laughs> Kara says, my expertise is at a 10 if I tell my imposter syndrome to shut up. You don't even have to tell your imposter syndrome to shut up. You've just got to tell it to step aside and stop making decisions for you. So when we look at market demand, we are looking to understand whether there is an actual need, a real need for your program. And are people actually willing to pay for the solution? So I want you to think about the types of people who you might sell this to. And we're going to get a little bit clearer on this tomorrow. So again, I got you. If you're like, but I don't know who it's for. I got you. Not tomorrow. The, well, we've got someone drawing on our, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Can you guys see that? Someone is drawing on our uh, board and I don't actually know how to I wonder if I change my so if anyone is in the room and they've just used my screen as a whiteboard and it's still there okay we're just gonna have to deal with it sorry guys I don't know how to take that off right now um, but the market demand is are people are people actually able and willing to pay for the solution that you're offering so again, think about that target market. Are they actively seeking solutions to this problem? And on a scale of one to 10, rate what you think your demand would be for this. So with that idea, what, what's your gut tell you? Because high demand indicates a ripe opportunity for your program, right? If there is demand out there and there is money in the market, then people are going to, oh, thank you, Caroline. I appreciate that. Uh, she just told me how to turn that off. <laughs> um, the, the more significant impact it's going to make, right? If people actually need it, want it. So give me out of 10 on a scale of one to 10, what do you think or suspect the demand might be for the idea? And so things that you might want to consider are, are there conversations, questions, or problems that your potential clients are currently facing? And how does your, uh, so we've got, <laughs> there's like a ghost in the machine. Uh, I could, didn't catch whose name that was, but I think it was a Georgina. Would you be able to uh, turn off the whiteboard function that you're trying to use? I can't stop and find that on my screen right now. I'm sorry. But things that can help you to find market demand. Are there conversations, questions, or problems that your potential clients or customers are currently facing. How does your program address this? And I want you to reflect on things like, is there any evidence for the demand that you've observed? So I want you to look at like, are there trends that you can really research and look at? Are there forum discussions? Have you got any direct feedback? You could even jump on to uh, Amazon, for example, and look at are there books out there on this particular topic? Are people buying it? And not only are people buying it, are there books that have reviews, right? Because that indicates that people are actually purchasing it. They're looking for it, purchasing it, and then leaving a review. Look at is there actually 
activity in the space. You can also jump onto uh, Facebook, for example, and search in the search function on Facebook. Are there groups that are addressing this particular problem? So for me, for example, uh, when my child was a baby, I literally searched for everything related to reflux that I could, everything. I joined community forums. I was in a couple of Facebook groups. I actually started a Facebook group of my own because hashtag entrepreneurial. I even started my own reflux group on Facebook. But look for evidence of demand. Okay, look for evidence. It will be there if you go looking for it. Are there other programs already out there? Georgina, could you please stop uh, drawing on the screen? I would really appreciate it. Uh, could Team Therapist Rising please send a message to Georgina and ask her to stop drawing on the screen? I would really deeply appreciate that. Um, but you could, um, now I've lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Uh, the, what was I saying? Podcasts. Are there podcasts out there? Are there other programs out there? So if there are other programs, I don't want you to take that as a bad sign. That is not a bad sign. That is a very, very good sign, in fact, because that tells you they've already validated the market, right? If if there are people out there already selling courses, programs, digital products, books, podcasts, whatever it is, and you're like, oh, I, I can't possibly do it now because someone else has done it, that's actually good news because they have validated the viability of the product, of the offer. You want that. That's not a bad thing. That doesn't tell you that there's too many people there. Please don't see it that way. It does not mean that at all. So a scale of one to 10, what is the potential market demand? And then as we move on to profitability, which is our final step, I want you to start thinking about the very uncomfortable conversation of money. This is where we assess whether or not your program can actually be financially viable to support you. Right. Is it actually a viable revenue stream? Right. So if you think about what could I potentially charge for something like this, you could look at what are other what are other people charging for this? All of this information that you start to collate together, put a number on it. But think about is that number financially viable for you to make it worth your time? Right. So on a scale of one to ten. And a viable product from a profit perspective that doesn't make you greedy, that doesn't make you greedy having a profitable program. It only benefits your audience. It only benefits you. Okay, so write down out of 10, what do you suspect might be the profitability? One out of 10. And now that you've done that, You've just got through the four steps of the framework. So the next steps are to score it. So you will literally take those that you've got, those four scores out of 10, and you add them together. Really basic math. Okay. So basic math together. What comes out as the number? So you can start to score all of your ideas out of a total of 10, or you could do it out of a total of 40 if you add them all together, right? Score each idea that you've got out, out of 40. 
And once you have that, you've tallied it up, you now should be able to see in all of your ideas which one is likely to be the best place to start for you. If you still don't take action after that, so if you've got one, two, three or four clear winners, that are really sticking out in terms of like, well, these have got a lot of potential and you're still not taking action. This is not an ideas issue. It's a you issue. And if it's a you issue, we got some talking to do because it's likely some mindset stuff, beliefs getting in the way, right? It's procrastinating. You're not allowing yourself to decide, but this should actually give you a visible number that identifies your most promising idea. Okay. Now we've got lots of questions coming through in the chat and I'm super, super mindful. (laughs) Kimmy says, spoiler alert, it's a me issue, honey. I hear you. So I know there's going to be lots of questions from here. I know that at this point in the conversation, you are like maybe feeling really overwhelmed. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. It's feeling really scary. This too much, slow down, you're going too fast. Or you might be feeling like, I don't really want to talk about money. That's really gross. I don't know how to determine the price point, all the things, right? That's totally okay. If you're feeling any of those things, totally okay. You are not alone. So let me know in the chat, are you feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now? Okay, again, we're all friends here. So give me a yes. Give me a yes if you're feeling just a tad overwhelmed. So we've got some, we got some yeses coming in. But oh, we've also got some uh no, I'm finding there this very helpful. People are feeling in people are feeling inspired. That's amazing. We also have some people who are feeling overwhelmed. Totally fine. I got a really, really important reframe for you. Although we label overwhelm as a bad thing something to step back from, something to put down, something to back away from and maybe don't touch ever again or indicating that there's something wrong with you, like you're slow or this is not for you or you're not understanding, so clearly you should just go do something else. I want you to reframe overwhelm to mean that you are learning. Feeling overwhelmed is actually 100% freaking normal when you are learning something new. Feeling overwhelmed is a necessary part. It is literally required for learning something new. So if you don't want overwhelm, you can't learn, right? Like we have to accept the fact, light, dark, love, hate, we have to accept the fact that when you learn There are feelings with overwhelm that are inevitably going to precede the acquisition of a new skill set. But here is the best thing. You don't have to go at this alone. We have a, I don't even know how many thousand people are now in our community, but thousands, thousands of people, therapists, just like you, who are probably also feeling overwhelmed at this point. You don't have to go this alone. So here is your first task. I want you to, at the end of this, get into the Facebook group and share your ideas. I want you to use the hashtag idea. So hashtag idea, get into the Facebook group and share. Here's my idea. 
here's where I'm stuck. This is what I'm X, Y, and Zing about. Whatever it is, share, 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 share. Let people support you. Allow yourself to receive support. Okay, we've got you. So as we get to the end of this conversation, oh, it's 11.59. I said it was two hours and God damn, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So at this point in the conversation, you have now definitely got on board with all things online programs. You can absolutely see if I had a conversation with you after this, you would be able to tell me confidently why online programs are going to help you moving forward as a therapist. They are going to improve your practice, your business, your life, and the system, our community. You've also now identified against our criteria, your passion, your expertise, the market demand, and you've began shaping your program idea with hopefully a profitable mindset. Okay, that, that's a hard part. I know that's a really hard part. Again, we got you. We got you. So if you're thinking at this point in the conversation, oh, that's great. I've got an idea or holy shit, I've got an idea and she's making me choose. But how do I actually put that into action? Like, who am I selling this to? Like, what, what do I actually do to make it clear? And what goes into it? How do I actually create the curriculum and the content in a way that's ethical and doesn't get me in trouble and is legally compliant? Well, that is training number two, workshop number two. We're going to cover all of that in workshop number two on Tuesday. So if you want to know how to take the idea that you've just narrowed down and now start to bulk it out, build it out, create a plan for what your program is going to look like and who it's going to serve, we are covering that in workshop number two. So you definitely do not want to miss it. Okay, don't miss it. I'm going to see you there. And please, in the chat, as we're wrapping up, one of the things that I do with my uh, incubator community at the end of every single call, I ask them what was their biggest takeaway? What was the brain explosion moment? What was the light bulb that went off? What was the punch in the stomach that you needed in every single way? Let me know in the chat. I want to know what are you taking out of today? What has been the biggest takeaway for you? I'm a minute over. Don't remind me. I'm a minute over. Let's do this quick, people. We're on a timeline. We are on a timeline. People are feeling super excited. Oh, Lisa, I'm going to do this. Val is saying uh, the diagram to find my magical idea. Amazing. Ikigai. Yes. Fantastic. Reframing overwhelm has been a huge takeaway. Fantastic. There is space for all of us. My light bulb moment was checking out what is already in the market. Amazing, right? Market viability. Someone's probably already validated the market for you. You don't have to be first to market because I tell you what, that's really bloody hard and it's really bloody expensive to be first to market with anything. So we want to know if it's already been proven. Loving the framework. People are saying boosting my confidence. The current model is not serving the community. Fantastic. You have the blueprint. Oh, it looks like so many people are taking so much out of this. That's amazing. So I'm going to give away some confetti and 
let me get into my chat. I'm going to give one person in the Facebook chat who has stayed all the way to the end, which is Kimmy Emily. You are the winner of a $25 Amazon gift card. Can you please, Kimmy, email hello at therapistrising.com and we will get you sorted out with your gift card. And now over to Zoom to find the winner for that. I'm just going to literally randomly stop at a place. And our winner on there is Lisa Tucker. Lisa Tucker, you have also won yourself a $25 Amazon gift card. Yay for you guys. So Lisa, please uh, email hello at therapistrising.com and we will get you hooked up too. All right, my beautiful people. I need to have water. I need to do a wee. This has been amazing. Amazing. I love you guys. Thank you for allowing me so much space and for going four minutes over. I will do better on Tuesday, I promise. So don't forget we are live tomorrow in the Facebook group where I'm going to be able to answer some of the questions that you had today on the call. We're going to be able to address some of the mindset stuff that's coming up really importantly, the imposter syndrome stuff, the I can't do this, this feels too big, all the things. We are going to be doing that tomorrow at 10 a.m. Okay, so tune in at 10 a.m. tomorrow if you want some tough love, fluffy sledgehammer, or get some questions answered. We'll have a lot more space. It'll be a lot more relaxed. So join us tomorrow at 10 a.m. for that. Otherwise, I will see you uh, at workshop number two on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Goodbye, everyone. See you then. Thanks so much for joining me for the Therapist Rising podcast. We publish new episodes every Wednesday. If you're loving this content and it speaks to you, please be sure to head over to subscribe and give us a rating and a review. It would mean the world to us. We will see you next time for the Therapist Rising podcast.